Hello friends, how are you? How are you getting on? I hope you're having a lovely, gentle day. My name is Colm and this is the Sober Mess Podcast and you're very welcome. Today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by a high performance coach and a mindset coach. He was recently awarded the Best Innovative Business Mentor in the Irish Enterprise Awards and also listed in the top 10 business mentors in Dublin. He's grown several businesses, including his own property business, where he started off with one unit and grown it to over a thousand. He's completed various courses, including psychology and hypnosis. He was under the, he was an understudy of Bob Proctor also, who featured in the film of The Secret about the law of attraction. So my guest today, Joe Costello, knows all about attracting goodness into our lives, and he's going to tell us how to win the lotto. So, <laughs> Joe, how are you, man? No, no pressure with intros like that. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? Thanks very much for having me here and delighted to speak to yourself and your listeners here today and hopefully maybe to give a few tips in uh, what I have had in my life. Uh, and again, we, we just touched on the intro coming in there. You said uh, out of the suffering, you know, you get the most uh, gain and, and, and that's it. I suppose my path started many years ago from going down the wrong road and hitting a dead end to realize in life, sometimes it's the darkest hour before the dawn. And when you're in that darkest hour, you can see the dawn arriving. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things I'm just going to touch on on there is, you, you know, we do have a choice and I know when we're in that dead end and we've took all the wrong turns and, you know, we feel like, you know, there's nothing happening in life and everything has gone against us. You know, there is opportunities there and it could be just as simple as stumbling across a book or, you know, hitting a YouTube channel or, you know, talking to the right person just to spark a different thought. And I, I do you know, run along and say, if we have the same thoughts produces the same choices, the same choices will lead to the same actions. And when mm. we do the same actions over a period of time, they become a behavior. Yeah. And then the behavior will produce the experience or the result. Yeah. And we're then in a cycle. So how mm. can we how can we change or, or look for that different choice? Yeah, it's like what uh, Albert Einstein said, uh, to define insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Yeah, like, you know, we can't solve the problem from the same level of thinking. And sometimes when we're in these situations, we're not actually thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so good to, you know, talk to someone or seek help because you're like the hamster in the wheel and you can see outside that wheel. And, you know, by talking to someone, they might just show you a different perception on what's going on in your life. And, you know, as you say, if you have that little spark, that's when things can change. And that's what happened to me because uh, at the age of 23, you know, I had a mental breakdown. And uh, I was at a point in my life where I was, if people looked in from the outside, I was in a pensionable job. Uh, you know, I, I had a girlfriend back then and 
you, you know, what have I got to be unhappy about? But we never know what's going on in someone's mind. You know, sometimes it's funny. I don't watch TV, but I'm going to have a guilty pleasure. I watched Harry and the, the, the Meg uh, interview. Mm. And he turned around and said that, you know, every day they just have to turn up, get suited and booted, put a smile on for the public where he was living in a trap. And we just never know what's going on in someone's mm. mind. And that's yeah. why, you know, we have to be considerate to other people because you don't know if someone say, you know, you have a bit of an argument with someone or someone flips the lid. You don't know what has caused that. You're only seeing that at that point of time, but you don't know what was leading up to that, to have that outburst. Mm. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? And see, the thing about our patterns, I think the hardest thing we'll ever do is overcome patterns that no longer serve us or empower us. You know what I mean? Because that's what it is. Like That's like, like I suppose we, we it's overcoming these beliefs. And we ha- I would have my own experience with addiction that I, at one point I would have thought that like the likes of alcohol or overeating was benefiting me it was giving me a sense of joy and what it was that I couldn't find joy by myself or I didn't feel good enough as I was so I started seeking things on the outside of myself so I thought like I feel like a so I could say I feel low but but if I do b which is the action then that would bring c which is the reward which is like say the dopamine here the alcohol or the food so I'm just and that's then how the pattern starts and then I just don't know any other way of overcoming it. And you said there, look, you can't use the same thinking to get you out of the problem that got you into the problem in the first place. You know what I mean? And a lot of the time we are just going around in circles, like you know what I mean? And um, and it's about, I suppose, overcoming that, um, so I suppose overcoming that, uh, them patterns, you know, it's about, as you said, sometimes we have to, the sad thing is that we have to wait till them fire alarms are going off, that we have to hit them rock bottoms to change. But I don't know, at the start of the podcast, we were chatting about the, the benefits of suffering, you know, when we talk about getting into the sea and things like that, the peace that that brings. And for me, and you talk about the breakdowns, you know, for me, the breakthroughs came from the breakdowns and the breakups, you know, from them points. And when I was, if I was to look back at my life at times where I was really suffering and I was at the lows, they were like catalysts. They were like catapults that changed me and catapulted me onto a different level because I got so miserable and unhappy and unsatisfied with where I was and the way my thinking was and the way my life was to say that, right, I want to change this. You know, I want to, I'm going to use this pain to my benefit. And that's a lot. Of, I think if we can learn to use pain to our advantage rather than try to numb it, avoid it or run away from it, that pain can be can make us do more than that sense of fucking, I don't know, happiness or whatever. Like sometimes it can be uh, way more beneficial to us if we can utilize it. It's funny, yeah, and I totally agree with you there. And I do a lot with a, a fella called Peter Sage. And Peter Sage would be world-renowned for behavioral uh, expert. And he puts the analogy on it that we're in earth school. And when we're going through life, it's like as if, you know, it's like school. And we get tests at different points in our life. And when we pass that test, we go on to... The next class mm. but the biggest learnings is within the failure so if i'm going through today and things is all rosy in the garden and everything has flown which you know the more you do of this work you can generally you know create a better flow within you but when you have 
some turbulent thing happen to you or you fail at something, that's where you learn and that's where you have to dig deep to the resources. Mm -hmm. So where at the age of 23, I had no belief within me. I had no confidence. My self-worth was quite low and things was happening to me but I didn't believe that I could change them. And I remember meeting Bob Proctor and Bob Proctor saying that your way is not working. He says, you're always sick. You're always tired. You're always broke. He says, you don't believe in you, but I believe in you. Mm -hmm. And I just needed to believe in him that he was helping so many people. And that was the spark that sort of helped me, you know, start to realize who I was because, uh, if you got to be free, you got to be me. So that's my me. That's not the me that you think I should be. That's not the me that your family, your career, your business, you, you, you know, you have to understand who me is. And I suppose me as a person, I'm after going through plenty of me's along the way. I, 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 I was a little bit like an onion and we keep shedding the, the, the skins to find out who me is. And as you say, sometimes you might you know, go outside yourself with the drink or the drugs, or you might go outside with the overeating and, you, and you're putting your happiness dependent on something outside of you. I got heavily involved in business. I was very successful in a lot of companies, but I ended up very lonely. And, and because it was like, as if I kept putting, well, when I hit my first million, you know, I'll be happy. You got to the first million and you wanted the second million. Mm. And you kept putting that happiness outside of you. And you come to a point in your life where you sort of say, you know, this isn't working. And I've been there, done that, wore the T-shirt many times in life at the end of the year where you're getting tested. So you move on to the next class, you know? Yeah, yeah. So true, isn't it? And uh, we need to touch that stove to realize that, like, I've been down that road where everything on the outside looks so well. Like I had a, I had a successful life. I had the money, the car, you know, the nice trends, you know, the great, like everything looked amazing from the outside. But on the inside, I was lonely. I was miserable. You know, I couldn't enjoy anything I had. Like I had all them nice things, but it was like I was wearing this. It was like I was on, I was looking at this beautiful view, but I had this really dirty pair of glasses on, this really manky pair of glasses, and I couldn't appreciate the view because everything on the inside. But I was taught that from a young age, you know, that if I get if I get that thing over there, I'll be worthwhile, I'll be worthy, I'll be acceptable, you know, I'll be, uh, uh, you know, I'll get approval, you know, if I just get that thing. And I think that's, I think that's part of the whole capitalist um, or materialism ideology. You know what I mean? That it's like, what's the, you know, what's the the motto for L'Oreal? Is that because you're worth it? You know, if you buy this face cream, you'll then be worth it. You're not worth it as you were, but if you buy this product, then you become worth it. So for us to overcome this, you know, we're overcome, we have to try to overcome the whole marketing and the whole narrative that we see on, on every ad. We go onto Instagram now and we see that guy or girl with all the followers, with the, they look great, the white teeth, the perfect skin. And with that, that's subconsciously telling us that if we want to be worthwhile, we have to look like that. You know what I mean? But so many people forget that. Like, what about putting work into our intellect or work into our emotional health or work into our, our spiritual health and, and try to find a, a bit of a balance like, you know what I mean? Because when I was chasing all them things, you know, I was I was like chasing the rainbow. I was, I was never getting there, you know. And when I did get there, I was like, right, now what? You know, that addict in me that I grab, 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 and then I get it. 
and I just be like, right now what? And then, see, that's the thing with our ego is that an ego only knows want. It doesn't understand how. It's like the dog chasing the car. He's chasing this car and then finally the car stops and he, he stops with it. And he's like, Jesus, I wasn't actually expecting to catch the car. I only was only wanted to chase it. Like, I don't know what to do now, you know? And it, that's like goes when we get a, a vision that if I just get this thing in the distance, you know, or this promotion or this bank account or this marathon or this body or bloody blah and on and on. And then we're constantly realizing this doesn't work either. Like, you know what I mean? And then we're chasing the next thing. And for me, it was about going on a bit of a journey on the inside and realizing that my natural de default state is good enough as it is. And learning to like who I am and learning to become my own best friend and my own my own cheerleader essentially that and realizing that nothing on the outside of me is going to fix me it might numb me it might be short-term gratification but then that wears away and you talked about it you know when you want when you have one million you want two million when you have two million you want ten million you know and it's a constant chase and and for need and for me today it's just about gratitude being grateful like for the simple things i have like you know what i mean being you know i woke up to, i went shopping last night and uh i woke up this morning and i made a coffee and i opened my fridge and i just seen a fridge full of food and i was just so grateful that i have a fridge full of food like you know what i mean like how how lucky am i to have that like you know what i mean like them little simple things like and i'm sitting out on my balcony and drinking a bit of coffee and listening to the birds man and you know, it was, it was just, I'm just blessed, like, you know what I mean? But it's only, I'm only blessed because I realize I'm blessed when I start to kind of be blessed for those simple things. Like, and I think as if I change the way I look at things, the things I look at change. Wayne Dyer, yeah. If I yeah. change the way I look at things. And, and, and it's, it, it's funny because I start my day off with gratitude every day because there's no such thing as the future because there's only now because how you think and how you feel now is going to dictate your future so when we you know live in the now and we're grateful for the bed that we sleep in the body that we're in people just take granted for the body that we're in and, and you go downstairs and you're grateful for the food in your fridge the cup of coffee the birds in the tree you're automatically learning to live with inside of you rather than being too far in the future, as you say, nearly chasing the dragon and, and wanting to achieve something in life. So we can be on a track of achievement, you know, chasing the achievement. And it's a little, little bit like what you said about the dog chasing the car. When it catches the car, it doesn't know what to do. But people is on a track chase and achievement. And the, the, the race is rigged. It's like a greyhound race. They're never going to catch the hare. The hare just stays in front of them enough to go around. And we're running through life. And that's very similar to us. And we're rushing around and we're running and we're chasing this hare that we're never going to catch. Where we have to have that moment inside of us and sort of say, well, you know, everything that we want in life is inside of us. Mm. And I think whether you call it God, higher power, source, whatever you might call it, he put it in a very good place because it's the last place a lot of people look. Yeah. They look in the car, they look in the business, they look in the in the next trend, the next pair of runners, the next hairdo. But like, like you know, so they go down into the sea and look deep down in the sea or up into the sky but it's inside of us. Yeah, so yeah. You know, we're going outside of us, looking for what's inside of us. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And you're talking about Wayne Dyer as 
And he he's a great analogy, you know. He's a few of them, but he's a, a good one where you know he drops he drops his keys and he's in the house and he's no lights on in the house and he's looking around everywhere, can't find them. And he looks out the window and he knows notices the street lamps around outside. So he goes outside and starts looking uh, looking for uh, for his keys and his neighbor comes along and he's in the, some garden and his neighbor's like, What are you doing? He goes, I'm looking for my keys, I'll give you a hand. So the both of them are looking in the garden and the neighbor says, So where whereabouts did you drop your keys, by the way? He goes, Oh, I dropped them in the house. And he's like, What are you doing looking out, outside? And and he's like, Oh, because there's lights out here. And it's it basically trying to say that we're always looking on the outside, you know, because we can see it, because we can see. I, if I see that that car, the promotion or the house, whatever, because I can see it, I think it will fix me, you know, without actually looking on the inside, you know what I mean? And then realizing why why is it still dark on the inside? And I, I think like goals and achievements are important, you know what I mean? They are, you know, the, it is good to have a sense of achievement and a sense of purpose there and a, a sense of motivation. But it's about realizing that they don't define us, that our, our sense of worth and our sense of who we are and you know, if we're, our sense of happiness doesn't come from achieving that goal. That, like, say if I was like, oh, say if I was putting all my investment into how I look, you know, if I look great, you know, and everything's going for me, then I can be happy. But what happens then if you start to, you start to age then, you know, naturally you're going to start to age, you know, and then does that mean you're not good enough anymore because you don't look a certain way? Or what if you you say, well, I'm, I'm successful, I've got a nice car, you buy a lovely car, it's great, you're looking after it, you're hoovering every day, you know, it's great, but then your neighbor rocks in with a newer car or your car gets old, you know, does that mean you're not successful anymore? You know what I mean? So it's like whatever we kind of put our happiness into means that we're giving power to that thing. We're putting the condition on our happiness that I can only be happy if that thing is playing to my tune and then I'm happy. It's like saying I can only be happy on the 10th of May at two o'clock to three o'clock and that two o'clock comes around I'm the happiest man for an hour in the whole world. But then for the whole rest of the year, I'm waiting for the happiness to come back around. You know what I mean? So it's like stop putting a condition on my happiness and stop giving power. Why am I giving power to this thing? Like, you know, if we can get it from my own supply, I don't need to depend on other things. And then if I'm happy with me, I'll enjoy them external things that much more, like, you know. And it's funny because I definitely, you do need a goal because I believe we're goal-seeking organisms as humans. And the purpose of us in life is to grow and express ourselves. But one of the things I teach within my mentorship that I do is, a lot of people think a goal is to get to get a bigger house, to get a bigger car, to have more money. I believe a goal is for you to grow as an individual inside of you. Mm -hmm. And when you grow within your mindset, within your confidence, within your belief, within your self-worth, your byproduct of you grown is your house, your car, and your business and career because naturally when you're in a better flow when you're a more happier you you will attract the things in life to you because you're fluctuating on a higher frequency and one of the other things that we look at is, is the likes of self-image so there was a a fella called uh, a plastic surgeon called uh, maxwell maltz and he used to do a lot of plastic surgeons uh, surgery in the 1970s and he realized that we had two images. So he was doing a lot of plastic surgery, people coming in for the new nose and other cosmetic stuff. And, you know, some people had a, a big psychological change. Maybe they got a bit off their nose or maybe a breast enhancement or whatever like that. And they improved. But some people didn't. So we've two images. First one is the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we brush our hair. 
and you look at me, I'm going to look at you and, you know, we, we might have an image of who we are. But the second one is that inner image. And that inner image is going to control everything in your life. It's like a paradigm. It's like a multitude of habits that controls your decisions, that control your persistence, your behaviors, your beliefs. And all this then will spill into the likes of your career, the amount of money you're going to earn, your relationships, how you think, how your, your body is, are you overweight? And we're generally inheriting this from family, society. We're growing up. We've inherited this. So, so, you know, if you grow up in a house that there's a lack of money, there's a good chance that you'll have a lack of money. If you grow up in a house that, you know, you speak two languages, you're going to speak two languages. And we need to change that inner self-image. And I do a lot. I've done a lot on me and I do a lot with my clients on changing that inner self-image because your inner self-image is going to dictate the results that you get in your life. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? And like when I when I was if I was to look back at like times where I would have kind of struggled with my mental health and the game changers for me was a lot of tools that I developed from a very young age as a kid that used to serve me, you know what I mean? That served me at some point in my life. And then as an adult, I still had I still had these same tools, but they no longer serve me, you know what I mean? And I suppose it's a bit uh, being able to drop the tools like you know my parents were there like it won't uh, around nutrition you know one of these for example um you know when you, you're sitting down at the table and you have loads of food in front of you you know you're, you're told eat all that food eat all that food you're not leaving until your, your plate is finished and you're a kid you're eating all that food and then as an adult like you could eat be eating way too much and we are a big chinese or an indian and you have to clear the whole plate but you're not finished when you're full you're finished when your plate is clear right so that's something like that your parents would have taught you right you're not allowed to leave that table until your plate is cleared and you're doing that as an adult where they would have learned that is from their parents. Where they would have learned that from their parents, where they had a tool to say, you need to eat all that food because back about 100 years ago, whatever, when when food was very rare, like it wasn't as accessible as it is now, you needed to finish a whole plate. You know what I mean? You needed to finish a whole plate because you didn't know when you were going to eat again. So it was a matter of life and death. It's like, eat all your dinner. And now we're, we've evolved on, what, 100 odd years and we still have that thought in our heads go, you need to finish your whole play, even though it no longer serves you. You know what I mean? And a lot of the time we can we can rely on really old patterns and old thought processes that maybe would have served at some point in our lives, but learning to drop them and trying to challenge them, you know what I mean? To say, why do I think like this? Why is this my pattern? You know, why do I think like this? Like, you know what I mean? You can probably come from someone who would have came from maybe a home where there was a lot of arguments, you know, and their way of winning an argument would have been whoever talks, whoever shouts the loudest wins the argument, you know, so you grow up as an adult needing to shout every time you get angry, you know what I mean, that the way you, you express your anger is you shout and you box walls and you, you know, because you, you, I suppose you, from a young age you're told, how oh, angry kids don't, uh, kids shouldn't get angry, that's bold, you know, so you you so you develop this belief to say, okay, when I get angry, I'm not lovable, I'm not, uh, I'm not good enough when I get angry, so I'm to, I'm to suppress my anger, and then that anger overflows, and we're fucking overreacting and things like that. So I think a lot of it is being able to challenge tools and patterns and thought processes that maybe served us at one stage, but no longer do anymore. And that boils back to if you gotta be free, you gotta be me. And when I say if you gotta be free, you gotta be me. That's looking at, as you say, these 
inherited beliefs or behaviors that you need to clean your plate. Like you need to eat all your plate, you know, where later on in life, you could be out, as you say, in a curry or having an Indian and you're full halfway through it, but you're programmed that you have to eat all that, you know, that plate of food. And, and that's the great thing is, is starting to understand, you know, how can, you know, you become a better person in life and understanding these programmings that we've inherited to the point of view, say, if you grow up in a house that maybe you'd, there was a volatile relationships within the house, you could end up a, a very angry uh, person that the only way that you know how to deal with a situation that's not going your way is to maybe throw your toys out of the pram. Mm, yeah, and that's it. And it's like, I suppose it's a case of a monkey see, monkey do, like, you know what I mean? And um, being able to, to go back again to, to challenge, to challenge and, and self-inquiry and challenge. They say, why do I think like this? Why do I act like this? You know what I mean? This isn't serving me. This isn't empowering me, you know? And uh, and that's why it is important that, the, the, like, when you were talking about getting coaches, you know, when uh, you met Bob Proctor, where you're able to say, right, let's have a look here. What What's going on here? Let's have a look under the bonnet and see what is... Like what? What do you? What would you like to change about yourself? What is it like? Not just about the materialism side. Like what? What about our beliefs and our thoughts and you know the, our, how we think about ourselves? Like you know what I mean? Because a lot of time we can be very critical of ourselves. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I for the, my one of my biggest character defects over the years was my perfectionism that I couldn't let myself off the hook. That I had this perfectionism in me that if I was playing a match and I'd score 20 goals, I'd be beating myself up over that one shot that hit the post. Or if, I, if, I, if I just work of art that I'm picking out the little tiny discrepancy with it or whatever it is, someone could do what I do and I'd give them such a, an overwhelming pat on the back. But when it comes back to me, I could never give myself that pat on the back because I was just this perfection, just the perfectionism in me, you know, but again, that would have came back to, to a childhood thing, you know, where you're, you're trying to prove yourself because you, you, you develop a belief that as you are, isn't good enough. So you need to do and do and do and do and do. And then over the years you go from a human being to a human doing where you, the more you do, the better the person you are, you know, and people are, people are flat out now working 40, 50, 60 hours a week or doing, 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 because they, they have this belief in them that the more they do, the more successfully are the most better a human being that they are and this is another belief that I had to challenge to say why am I jeopardizing my mental health you know for a job or for for an idea that I'll be happier tomorrow and I think that's one of the biggest catastrophes that we believe that we're jeopardizing today because we have an ideology that tomorrow will be better you know, rather than living in today and in the present moment, that I'm thinking tomorrow I'll be a better person. If I put it tomorrow, I'll be happier. Tomorrow I'll be more royal. Tomorrow I'll be worthy. And I'm I'm thrown away today on the belief that tomorrow will be better. And then tomorrow comes, and it's the same thing again. Or tomorrow I'll be happier when I get that thing, when I get the card, it's the bloody bloody blah. And again, I'm just I'm just crapping on today because I I think tomorrow I'll be happier. And it's funny because we're very similar because I was like that. I was going through life and it was like as if I was trying to overachieve to get the pat on my back from my father that sort of never came as a, as a young boy. And I was over trying to achieve and had that perfectionist in me. And it was like as if you could never be happy in the now. So you, I had one limousine and then I wanted two. And the minute I got two, I wanted three. 
the minute I got three, I wanted four. I never actually sat down and said, do you know something? Well done, Joe, for getting another limousine. It was like literally, what's next? What's next? And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff to be learned with just living in the now. And, and, you know, I still get caught up every now and then and being too caught up in the future. But when you can just bring yourself back to the now and even be grateful for the food in the fridge and the cup of coffee that you're drinking, but listening to the birds around you, you're in that now. So nothing else matters at that point of time where for years I lived to in the future and I'm an entrepreneur and I suppose part of what I do is always having a vision of the future. Mm. But can you get the balance right of the vision in the future, but being able to be grateful in the now, you know? Yes. And, and, and it's a balancing act, you know? Yeah, see, everything's a balance, man. If there's no, if everyone had balance, there'd be no need for shrinks or psychologists out there. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? There'd be no need for mental health podcasts either. But um, but that's the thing, man. Like it is all about balance, and you know, like for me, like you were talking about all that stuff you achieved with the limousine, and you know, what I've, I've done a lot, of, I've achieved a lot as well. And it goes back to what we were talking about at the start that you know the the, the cornerstone or the, or the motivator was pain. And for me, you know, because of this this need to want to be people to approve of me, and the need and the belief that that t- shiny thing in the distance will make me happy, I went on this pursuit of this like, there's nothing more determined in this world than someone with the belief that that thing over there will make them happy man i done marathons i done triathlons i was working 80 hours a week to try get that pat on the back off me boss you know i, I back and went traveling around the world seeking happiness and and that's what it was it was a motive that was the motivator you know it was like a dynamite up my ass like, just to get happy and it was it's great if you look at it from an achieving perspective that i did achieve a lot but from a mental health perspective it wasn't great because i was burning out and i was running on empty and it's like if you're it's like a different training plan for usain bolt versus mo farah you know if usain bolt was to sprint a marathon he'd burn out straight away you know what I mean? And that was what I was doing. I was so sprinting, 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 and burning out. You know, so I needed to learn that, yeah, maybe it maybe my high achieving um uh, mentality was beneficial, but it was beneficial, but it wasn't sustainable long term, you know, because I was running on empty. And I remember listening to um Jody Wilkinson uh, was on a podcast, really good podcast, and he was talking about how his mental health took a wobble, was the very thing that served him at one stage in his life that his mindset of being a high achiever served him during his England career but it also it, it was a it misserved mis- him then on his mental health when he realized that what everything he was doing was never good enough you know that he had this belief that if he just won the World Cup and he just had such a pursue and a hunger and determination to get onto the English England rugby team and then go on and win the World Cup and then he said the most depressing thing was was what he thought would make him happy and complete him and he won the world cup and then he was just sitting in the dark in the hotel room on his own just being like now what you know i thought if i got over to that that side of the garden or that over that mountain i'd be happier but i'm I'm still left with me and that was my problem you know everywhere i went there i was i then i finally realized that i needed to work on hanging out with column that that thing over in the distance wasn't going to make me happy that i needed to become i didn't realize why am i trying so hard to prove myself and learn to like myself by doing a thing rather than just learning to like myself, realizing that I'm good enough 
as I am, my default state. And, you know, one of my mantras today is I am good enough regardless, regardless of my bank account, regardless of the shoes I wear, regardless of the childhood I had or regardless of my addictions in the past or regardless of whatever, you know, what are the million things we can put our, use to put ourselves down to say, oh, yeah, I'm good enough regardless today. And, you know, the good thing about myself and yourself is, you know, we have this experience through life. And when you take the emotion away from that, it's wisdom. You know, so wisdom is the experience without the emotion. And um, me and you talking here today, we'd like to think that, you know, we can spark something in someone, you know, that's quite similar because there's many people so similar. And just to know that there is a choice, just to know that, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, the same thoughts, same choices, same actions, behaviors, results over and over. Because, you know, here's me and you live and prove to come to a point that if we keep, you know, sorting from external, you know, influences to make the internal happy, that's going to lead to a, a road of self-destruction and the darkest hour before the dawn where, you know, you know, look and talk to someone that knows what they're talking about or maybe has gone down that road has traveled that road before or on that path, you know? Yeah, no, it is that it's a hundred percent. And I think that that's the thing where you can get to a place where you can use your experience to benefit other people. Like, you know, that's doesn't pain is pain isn't wasted when you can use it to connect and I suppose relate with other people, you know, that when you use your experience to say, yeah, I struggled, but I overcame it. You know, and you're you're being vulnerable. That's essentially giving me permission to be vulnerable. You know, and like oh, Joe's just after going and saying he had a breakdown, and I was like, Jesus, I had a breakdown. Well, I didn't know we could just openly talk about that. Like, are we not meant to put the best foot forward all the time? And as soon as you said that, then straight away I felt felt a sense of comfort to say, right, I can show my hand here as well. Like, and you know, that's that's the and that's the thing about like pain and experience. Like, you know what I mean? That you know, like experience. You could say like. You know, and wisdom, you know, I remember I heard this like pain is a, I don't know, experience, like knowledge, knowledge and experience. Like knowledge is saying a tomato is, is a fruit, but wisdom is known not to put in a fruit salad. Like, you know what I mean? And it's okay. true, I suppose, through the experience of, um, you know, touching them stoves or going down them coldy sacks or not, not hitting them rock bottoms that I've gained appreciation. You know what I mean? And I was having a chat recently about, about some, about you know just about addiction and you know that because of our addictions we've come to places where we're overwhelmingly gratitude for simple we have overwhelming sense of gratitude for simple things and the mindset that we have today was because of the groundwork or, or the pain we may have had in the past and you could have, you could compare it to the way spider man was bitten by the spider you know he was bitten by that spider which was obviously a shitty thing to happen but that led to him having these superpowers. And I, I compare that to my own kind of struggles. That if I hadn't aware through them struggles, the, the, the superpowers I have today, which is my gratitude and my mindset and my ability to help people and communicate my experience to others are my superpowers today. But my spider boy was that addiction. My spider boy was that breakdown. My spider boy was that bad mental health in the past. You know what I mean? So it, again, it's like back to how, well, how can I utilize it? How can I make the most out of it? And, and it's funny because one of the most rewarding things now in life for me is when you help someone, 
and you can give them a little bit of advice and you can see them change their life and grow as an individual. Yeah. Like that's one of the most rewarding things for me now. And, and I'm sure it's quite similar for you where, you know, before it was down to you now getting the next deal or, you know, changing the car or, you know, yeah. getting a new pair of runners and, and so on. But that's, you know, a very hollow thing in life like for years I was measuring my self-worth to my net worth and, and my net worth had had a few zeros on, on it mm. what's in the middle of a zero a lot of hollowness and 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 the good thing is you learn the hard way that you're sitting there and although your net worth is pretty good my self-worth was a uh, pretty zero yeah, as well it's mad and you, you... You know, you're you you being a high performance uh, coach, and like obviously depending on the person, everyone has a different sense of high performance. How would you define how high performance? And how, like when you're talking to a client, have them like what? How do you find their what they want to gauge as their high performance? Well, I'm a high performance coach because I I get people to change their mindset. But people come to me. And straight away, I tell them that I like to teach wealth, but wealth in a different way, wealth within thinking and wealth that you can grow as an individual and everything else is going to grow. So I'm a high performance coach, getting them to increase their mindset, their beliefs, their confidence. People come to me, you know, some people come to me because I've been very successful in business and I've sold seven and eight figure companies for money and I'm going to say to them well if it's money that you want you know this is going to get your money but it's also going to you know be very hollow at the end of it so my job is for you to grow as an individual and the house the car the career the relationships the mind the body and the soul grows because when you start understanding who me is so I'm all about understanding me and getting rid of these programmings of lack of self-worth or the programmings of anger issues or the programmings of maybe money was scarce growing up or the programmings of all, all these programmings that I just want you to be nearly like a snake and shed all these skins so you can be who you want to be. Yeah, I love that, yeah. And I suppose that we were messing at the start about saying, tell us how the number, the winning numbers to the lottery, like, you know what I mean? But I suppose everyone, if you change your currency to like the simple things, everyone has a sense of winning the lotto, like, you know what I mean? That, you know, if you're grateful for the simple things or if your currency is, is health or your currency is intellect or your spiritual health, whatever, you know, that there's more to one measure than just, just money, you know? And I think Bob Marley has that famous, famous quote and, uh, you know, an interviewer was asking him, is he, is, how much money has he got? Like, And he was like, well, money doesn't make you rich, you know, possessions don't make you rich, you know, a big heart and a big heart and a sense of gratitude makes you rich, like, you know what I mean? And uh, and that that's what it is. And Jim Carrey also said, you know, he wishes that everyone had a, could experience being rich and famous just to realise that that doesn't make you happy either, like, you know, that uh, for me, happiness and high performance today I suppose having a sense of joy, you know what I mean? Being satisfied because we talked about it throughout the podcast, we're chasing that successful life, chasing that 
uh, shiny carrot in the distance. Whereas today, I'm more about a satisfied life. I want to discover what what's my values and what satisfies my core. Like you know what I mean? What what like the, the whole aspect of life. I just I don't want to just have like uh, be look well or physically. You know, I want to be able to focus on my intellect and my emotional health and my spiritual health and a few other things are good a few things that give me a sense of joy and make me happy as well like you know and one of them things is helping other people like i do get a i get i just get a nice sense of um i get a nice sense of meaning and i just feel real satisfied and well to just connect with someone and talk to someone and use my experience to, to help someone else like you know and it's funny because we'll always attract into our life what frequency we're on. Do you know mm. that way? Lightness attracts lightness. And a lot of people I attract into my life at the minute is uh, into my mentorship is business professionals and uh, business owners. And they're believing that they have to work 50, 60 hours a week and they're, they're stressed, they're affecting their relationships with their loved ones and everything is in disarray. And it's the same level of thinking is going to produce the same results. And I suppose I was there a few years ago, so I can talk about all this and I'm no better than anyone else. I've just, you know, gone through these classes of air school and I sort of passed these. I failed them first in order to learn to pass them. And when they come, they don't know what they want in life. A lot of people, 90% of people, you know, I talk to don't know what they want. So straight away, they're going to say, well, I don't want to feel stressed. I don't want this and I don't want that. And I'd say, well, what's the opposite? Are you aware that where your focus and your concentration goes, the energy flows? So just by the fact that you're looking at this and you're giving it energy, we're, we're programmed to live our life through our five senses, what we see, hear, taste, touch, and smell. And when we go into the intellect, and we start realizing that we have an imagination. So if you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. And then we start using our reason mind to knit the ideas of what we're going to imagine, what our idea of life should be. And then we have the will. So JFK met Warner Van Braun in 1962 and says, what will it take to put a man in the noon? And he says, the will to do it, the focus, the concentration, didn't say how much it was going to cost, didn't say how long it was going to cost, didn't say, you know, how many people it needs. And the will is like that persistence. And, and two of the biggest things I teach is decision-making and persistence. Number one is, do you want it? And people say, yes, but I don't know how to get it. And I'd say, don't worry about the how, you haven't made the decision. Make the decision. When you make that decision, you're going to shift your frequency. When you shift your frequency, you're going to get the ideas. You're going to meet the people, and you're going to get the uh, and you're going to get the money. And the second thing is the will, is the focus, the persistence in you going after your goal. And it's getting harder and harder in life because even down to social media and your phone, your will and your focus is getting less and less because the world is speeding up. And we've less and less concentration. So can we focus on what we want and keep that picture in our mind? And by us keeping that picture in our mind, we're going to change our thoughts, our feelings, the actions that we take, which is going to create a reaction or an attraction and bring the result closer to us. 
love that. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? And it is that thing that the law of attraction that if you can if you can visualize it, you can achieve it. Like you know what I mean. And uh, I love that. You know, if you can see it, if you can see it in your mind, you can see it in your hand. Like yeah, it's uh, and that's what it is. Like if we can change, if we can change my mindset, like just alter my mindset and say thinking in a higher frequency and more positive thoughts. So you can thoughts that. You know, drop the old thoughts that don't don't serve me and start thinking more thoughts that are, are powering me and being around people that are gonna bring bring the best out in you as well. Like, you know, and uh, and then you talk, you hear about people, you know, you get t- people in your life they're either drains or fountains. And it's like what what type of person do you want to be hanging around with? Like, you know. But like if you if you were to say go back to yourself when you were 23 and you were in the middle of that breakdown. What advice would you give to yourself around mindset? Like, what mindset would you ask yourself to try and develop? Well, at that point of time, I knew no difference. So my level of awareness at that is that's all I should be, do, or have. Mm. And everything in life is a level of awareness. So we don't do things in life because we want to. Mm. We do things in life is because that's all we're aware of. So I would say to myself is that, we do have a choice and an option and try and find someone that's a little bit further down the line uh, that that you want to do or become. So I look at different people in my life now, which Bob Proctor is a big influencer. I look at the likes of Elon Musk for innovation, but can we look at someone that's succeeding you know, in what we want to succeed, whether that's a motivation or inspiration and try and see what they're telling us to do and try and get involved with like-minded people that might be, you know, going for, you know, joining some sort of group, joining, you know, getting out into nature, getting involved, listening to the likes of this podcast. But what a lot of people don't realize, it's not just enough to listen we have to be taking action. So Mm. I can look on YouTube tonight and I can see someone doing a a great workout and the fella might have a great six pack, but that's not going to make me fit. I physically have to go to the gym if, if Corona wasn't here and they were open and eat healthy. So, you you know, there's knowing something and there's actually doing something about it. And I would say that we, we have to take the action, which creates the reaction and the action creates the attraction and that's what's going to change your thinking yeah i love that yeah 100 and people when people see like someone i suppose doing well in life they're going to gravitate towards them like you know like i could go down the street now and start preaching to everyone and preaching to my family and my friends say you know what you ought to do you need to change your life you need this this is what you need to do and straight away that guard is going to go up like you know but if you can show them rather than tell them if you can live by example that's the loudest no you can send out there you know when someone's gone from a to b go jesus you used to be that and now you're that like how did you do that i want to know i can see the evidence i can see the proof here in front of my eyes you know and that's when people see a change in someone that would could potentially benefit them or they look to you as attractive they're going to gravitate towards that you know so i think the best way to help people a lot of the time is to kind of do the work on ourselves because you can't pour from an empty glass like you know what i mean you can't 
pass on what you don't have, like, you know, so for me, I suppose it's about doing the work on myself. And then if I want to carry that message to other people, you know, they, they can, they, they'll approach me when, when the time is right, if they so wish they, you know what I mean? But as well, you, you don't know the amount of people you're helping just by doing your thing. Like, you know what I mean? Or even, you don't know for people, I always say this people are around creativity, that people are afraid to do poetry or afraid to start their own podcast or afraid to put up a video blog because they're fear of judgment. My message to them is stop being selfish with your creativity. You don't know what people you'll help by you putting out that poem or you putting out your positive message or you putting out your podcast that you could help someone, you could change someone's life. And it's like that old one, you know, to the world, you might be one person, but to one person, you might be the world. So don't be so worrying about what people think or worrying about failure or worrying about rejection or worrying about not being good enough. If you have something good, put it out there because not only are you going to benefit yourself, you're going to help someone else by seeing that, you know? And it, it's like what you're saying is we worry too much about what other people think. And Bob Proctor says 2% of people think, 3% think they think, and 95% would rather die than think. Because <laughs> if you actually think about it, if the 95% was thinking what they're doing, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. Yeah. And as you say, me and you was doing this conversation today there's going to be someone at that point where they want change. Mm. You know, I don't try and talk to people or force any of my ideas or, you know, my thoughts, my beliefs onto people. If someone wants to talk to me, I'm very open to talk to them. We can bring a horse to water, but we can't make them drink it. But when that time is right, they'll make that step and they're susceptible then to what me and you was going to say. And that's when the light bulb will go on. Okay, well, I need to take an actionable step to create a better future. Yeah, spot on. Right, so before we wrap up the podcast, today, your whole life experience, how would you define happiness? How would I define happiness? By learning to live inside of you and being grateful if you're grateful for the smaller things in life, everything else will look after themselves. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's brilliant, Joe. Right, man. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure. Will, will we ever get you down for the C-dip sometime? You will. I'm going to commit to that now. I, I'm probably going to wear shorts. I'm not going to do the skinny dip. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be proud. I don't think I'd have enough to show off to do the skinny dips, to be honest. <laughs> oh that's gas yeah well look hopefully we'll see you down here for the C-Dip sometime Joe and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure I personally have gotten so much out of this chit chat so thanks for coming on and uh, yeah I'm going to go do my lotto now <laughs> I'm not really thanks very much for having me okay thanks Joe um, have a good day number good day. 1 16 23 27 31 42 and 43 okay. glad I have that written down now <laughs> go on Joe have a great day man Thanks very much. Thank yeah. you.